0: Start your free trial by going to luminarylink note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported,
1: WNYC Studios. From Luminary Media, WNYC Studios, and Stable Genius Productions, this is Note to Self.
0: Good morning, girls. Good morning. Namaste, ladies. Good morning, Kalimera. Hola. How are you?
1: Teacher Andrea Zafaraku taught herself how to say hello in 35 languages so she can greet students in their native tongues as they arrive every morning at one of the most diverse schools in the U.K., the Alperton Community School in London.
0: Every single culture um,
1: you can think of exists here. 1,400 kids between the ages of 11 and 18 years old attend Alperton in one of the poorest areas of the UK. Being a kid here is not easy.
0: There's high levels of poverty. We have many families who are sharing houses. We've got gang-affiliated issues all around us. So our children have got very, very, very tough lives. Most of the students get free meals at school. And Andrea
1: says that sometimes she even has to kick some of the kids out when the school doors finally close at 6.30 p.m. because they'd rather be there than at home or on the streets. And yet, despite all these challenges, this school is ranked in the top 4% of all schools in the U.K. How? Well, maybe a couple things. In 2018, Andrea was named Global Teacher of the Year. Basically the best teacher in the world. So Alperton has that going for it. But according to Andrea, there's another key reason why the kids there are thriving. It's not because they're learning to code or ace standardized tests. It's art. I'm Anoush Zomorodi, and this is Note to Self, the tech show about being human. And on this episode, a teacher's perspective. How we can stay creative in our tech-saturated lives and make sure that kids learn not just math and science, but the softer skills that employers are going to be looking for. Because in a recent study, 77% of CEOs say they find it difficult to hire talent with the creativity and innovation skills that their companies need. I'll tell you more about that really interesting report at the end of the show. But meanwhile, let's get back to our teacher.
0: My name is Andrea Zapiraku. I am a secondary school teacher in the London Borough of Brent in the UK. And I am the 2018 Global Teacher Prize winner. Uh, that's kind of crazy,
1: right? Global Teacher Prize winner. <laughs> What did you do, Andrea, that made you such an amazing teacher that you were awarded this honor?
0: Oh, uh, you know, it's it's something that I'm still trying to figure out, actually.
1: OK, so maybe Andrea doesn't know, but it was pretty clear to the Varky Foundation, which awards the Global Teacher Prize every year. The prize comes with a million dollars and a platform for that teacher to beat the drum on the education issue of their choice. For Andrea, it's about making the arts accessible to all. She is convinced that this is how kids are going to survive in the workforce of the future, no matter what economic background they come from.
0: Teenagers these days, uh, they don't like failing because they think it's going to embarrass them. And so Mm. what the arts do, it really helps and it encourages them just to experiment, to become individuals, to show who their identity is, I
1: actually met Andrea in Cape Town in April. We were both speaking at a conference for CEOs from around the world, and I was immediately drawn to her by her enormous smile and her no-nonsense way of talking to big shots worth billions of dollars. And I asked her if she would take time out of her crazy schedule to come on this podcast. I couldn't think of a better way, after being off for several weeks, to get back into the swing of things. It's interesting to me because you, I'm assuming, were doing this work in your classroom. That's, you know, your space, your private space. And then you won this award and you've been thrust into the spotlight in some ways. And how has that been for you to become a public figure (laughs) representing the best in teaching?
0: Imagine Nemo. (laughs) (laughs) In in the goldfish bowl, and then imagine Nemo in the Atlantic Ocean. I think that's how I'm feeling. It has been quite a tremendous journey, and over the last year and a bit, uh, you know, my my eyes have been opened. It's been scary. It's been a roller coaster. But I tell you what, there's been nothing so more incredible than being able to represent teachers. And, you know, okay, I have the title of the Global Teacher Prize winner, but not for one minute am I ever going to stand up and say I'm the best. I am the best because it's not really about me. I think this award is really about celebrating who made me and who made me are my kids and the teachers who I work with in my school. I think it's just been our time as a school community, as a whole community, just to shine a little bit Mm -hmm. and to say, this is what we do. And this is what our beliefs are. And Hey, come and look at our kids and come and look at our teachers. We absolutely rock. You've got to see this. And that's been the beauty of, of, of this award, if anything else. My life was perfectly boring (laughs) so I mean to the point whereby my car did exactly the same number of miles for the last 13 years so schooling back schooling back schooling back (laughs) and then after so my colleague um, put me forward I was asked to apply there's no way in the world I was going I was going to even get through to the top 50 let alone number one 30,000 applications 175 countries and It was me who got through and I'm still speaking to you. I'm still reflecting. I can see everything. I can see it now in my eyes, how it felt like. And I am still in complete, I'm deluded. I can't believe it
1: actually happened still. As part of winning the prize, you go and you give a lot of talks now, right? You have to spend more time with adults What do they want to know, Andrea? Like, I'm guessing (laughs) that you are talking to a lot of business people and
0: technologists Mm -hmm. and CEO. I don't know. Tell me. Okay, so the people I'm talking to, first of all, are the arts world, because as you know, in many countries across the world, the arts and education are always squeezed out and they're the first subjects to go. I've been speaking to, and this is the thing which is just mind-blowingly insane. Like for um, tomorrow, I'm flying to another country. I've been invited by the Minister of Education there to come and speak. What country? To the Western Cape, South Africa, Western Cape. Wow. So i I'm there to speak to teachers. I'm there to enthuse about the arts and education, how it can really transform lives and you know what we've done and what we can do because they now as a country uh, and as a region, they really believe that this is a direction they want to take their kids in. So the whole focus on STEAM, I mean, it's just so forward thinking. So STEAM plus agriculture plus coding. I mean, I think that's revolutionary. Wait, what is that? Okay, so STEAM is, we know, well, STEM is still
1: mostly used here, although STEAM. Yep has been added the a is for arts obviously that's right
0: so science technology what is it uh so maths engineering so science technology engineering maths and the arts plus agriculture because that's a huge base again from what they do and the grounding for where they come from and but also coding so the arts is a creativity part of it the coding is a technological part of it. And then the agriculture is, again, is bringing it back to the community and back to the region and back hmm. to the ancestral part of that country. I'm speaking to country leaders. I'm speaking to ministers. I'm telling us a story because education is, it should be the most important conversation that is happening across every single country. Hmm. And people want to find out about my story. And I've been invited all over the world Um I'm actually feeling that what I'm saying to people and telling them about our journey is resonating with many others. And and I think there's hope. And I and I love that. I love seeing people's reactions um, after I've spoken and they I think I'm making a difference. And for somebody like me, who is a nobody in my world, to be invited to go and, and help and share and give stories and give opinions and and celebrate what I've been doing and what we've been doing in my school. I mean, that's just an absolute honor. So how can you not say yes to that? (laughs) So
1: some people might be thinking like, why are we talking to an arts teacher when this is mostly a tech show? (laughs) But I feel like it's an important thing to talk about because I want to understand how you think of technology. Do you have it in your classroom? When is it useful and when is it not useful?
0: Well, I, do you know, this is such a huge debate now in the UK. Um, mobile hmm. phones in or cell phones in schools. You know, are they cool? are they the right thing to do? Are they the bad thing to do? Are they causing problems in my lessons? I find it really useful. Absolutely, they're able to quickly research an artist. So if I see a piece of work, I say, "Well, look, you know, quickly go and have a look at this artist." They Take the phones out they use that they take pictures they're able then to draw from that phone they're able to use uh, manipulate the tools and and it's a language and it's a device which they are experts in Mm. and when they have got a diet of um you know textbooks or computer driven work the arts give them something different and in my school where Mm. english is you know, the white British child is the minority in my school, then the arts are able to prove to other colleagues or other peers that, you know, I'm good at this. I can do art. I can't speak English, which means I can't write an essay, but oh my God, I can draw perspective. I have got talent. And that gives a child such an immense sense of confidence and satisfaction. And that gives them that kind of the drive to be better in everything else.
1: At my daughter's school, which is a public school, they no longer have the budget to offer Spanish, but they do have Mm -hmm. iPads in the class. And so how do you, as someone who's acting as sort of a spokesperson for teachers in some ways, how do you advocate for making sure arts get funding, whereas people might say, like, yeah, but these kids need to have – be prepared for jobs. And that means that we need to have tech in the classroom and that they need to be comfortable with the
0: technology. What I'm noticing from speaking to employers now more than ever is that the one skill that many of their um, new employees or potential employees are missing is the creativity skill and the communication skill. It's the ability to talk to someone. Now, in a world where it's going really quite... um, towards being solely in front of the computer staring at my computer and that I'm having a relationship with a device for the whole day as a result of that children are not able to speak coherently they're not able to hold a conversation and they're not able to debate the question I want to ask is are we actually providing every tool for our children to succeed by keeping the arts securely locked in in education what we're providing our kids are the tools which they need in every workplace such as confidence resilience the mastery communication the team building and just that problem solving skills for example I've got a boy recently who I found out that his mum is going through cancer treatment you know, he's it's a single parent family. He's at, is very very wobbly. He's not taking it well. He's becoming very aggressive and has got anger management issues. The only room, the only space where he feels that he doesn't have to pretend or he can just be himself is when he is in an art room with his music in his ears and he's just creating a piece of artwork for those two hours during that lesson. You know he's okay. Things are going to be okay. So, and because of that, he's achieving. He's he's able to keep it together for his other subjects. I've got a child who, or many children who have got um, high levels of special educational needs. They are not able to write a sentence. They're not able to communicate by writing clearly. They may have dyslexia. They may have dyspraxia. They may be selective mute. They may have um, autism, but when they are working on their art, they've got a sense of pride and a sense that they feel joyful by doing this. Mm. And sometimes we dig a little bit deeper and we're like, well, why are you doing that? Why are you doing this? What are you trying to tell us? And then we can discover things like mental health issues such as self-harm and that they've got troubles at home, which we can identify through their artwork, through how they're trying to communicate with us. So that's the power of the arts is how our students are trying to communicate with us and how they use it as a language. I'm curious to know how social media fits into that because I've
1: spoken to some teenagers who are like, yeah, I'm just always thinking... They're thinking artistically, but they're thinking almost of their lives as a performance in some way, right? That, like, how can I make something, whether it's a meal or an outfit or a pose, that looks artistic and amazing on Instagram or wherever else? It's weird because, like, part of me is like, that's great. You're thinking like an artist in some ways. On the other hand, I'm like, ugh, your whole life is a performance.
0: Yeah, I— and this is a concern for the girls. Yeah. We had some statistics recently done in the UK about one in six 16-year-olds are suffering from mental health. And most of it is driven from a low self-esteem. I don't know what the answer is to this one. I just am quite worried because obviously it's this whole notion of we have to look a certain type of way or our children think they have to look a certain type of way. They've got to behave a certain type of way. Sometimes they just need a break and to be kids, you know? Yeah. I
1: went to look at one school for one of my kids, and they said our kids are two years ahead of where they would be in the regular public school. And I was like, but why? What's the point of being two years ahead? I just couldn't, like, wrap my head around why. But I'm wondering if you're meeting people from cultures where that is – Considered far more useful than sitting and drawing for an hour or getting in touch with your creative side?
0: Well, I would ask the same question as you if I ever met those people why, why? So they're, they're able to more or less just regurgitate an exam question than the answer, but they're not able to think why, how. And many of the universities that I'm speaking to are saying to me the same things. So we're going back to the whole school curriculums now and thinking, you know, what do we want the future of our country to be like? What are we really trying to teach our children? What do, what skills do they need? What knowledge do they need? There's some countries, um, you know, mine included, that are light years away from progress, absolute light years away. But thankfully, there's others there who are a bit more motivated and can see that there is a need to ensure that creativity is, is paramount in the curriculum somewhere. What other countries are you seeing where they're thinking that? So South Africa was one. Some of the Mediterranean countries, Netherlands, that's a country which I'm going to be working with very, very soon. Chile, that's another country I'm going to be hmm. working soon. So even some of the Far Eastern countries are, are getting quite excited about creativity because they can see there is a natural enjoyment there for the children and that they're they're excelling their their techniques and their skill level is improving because they're having access to creative moments in their classrooms. Huh. I also want to ask you, the award that you got came with prize money and
1: not an insignificant amount. Can you share what happened there?
0: Uh, God, what a headache though, eh? (laughs) Um, uh, uh, An absolute headache. Uh, I received this gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful trophy and along with that came a million dollar prize it feels so strange saying that I receive one million dollars I I, uh, it feels so ugly I, um, it, it doesn't sit well with me so what I've decided to do was to set up a charity called Artists in Residence to solve the problem which I've been fighting to solve day in day out in my school And that's by bringing the creatives into schools, making sure that arts is supported in schools curriculum, especially in the most um, disadvantaged communities. So I help to bring professionals into schools so that our children can see what an artist and what the profession of the arts can do and how they can get there. My problem is, is that I've got to grow now because we've done the pilot year and our schools have loved it. But now we've got more schools on our waiting list. So I have got to now find additional funding to, you know, help to pay our artists to help get these artists in schools. And, you know, what? I never realised what a headache setting up a charity could be and how hard it is, how really hard it is to secure additional funding. But... Parents are saying how what a difference it's making. The teachers are saying what a difference it's making. So if that's not a reason to keep on fighting to make sure that these programs like these are helping our schools, and I don't know what else is. Where's the money? Do you think you could go to those CEOs or those tech
1: executives and say, like, look, you're saying that what you want for the next crop of employees and leaders is people who can think creatively? They're not just going to come out of yeah. nowhere.
0: You need to fund them. Yeah, but do you know what? Manoj, is so hard to convince them. Mm. It's getting to be quite a challenge now. I'm not trying to be a, a depressing person now, but it's um, <laughs> that's impossible, Andrea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's um, it's it's just trying to convince them that number one. I know what I'm talking about because I've lived this, I've experienced that. And it's, again, it's that risk of, you know, are we going to invest our money in a teacher who still teaches two days a week in her school, is running a charity and is a parent. So how is she doing all this? Well, you know, it's one of those things. I'm a woman. I'm a global teacher and I can do it and um, I'm doing it.
1: Oh, yeah. So it's
0: just convincing. It's just showing people and, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. The world would be such an amazing place if more children have got the opportunities to experience creativity in whatever format they can. Can I ask you kind of a strange question? One, I hear a
1: lot of people, because I do talk to a lot of technologists, and there's this understanding that we want to try and make the Internet and all the conversations we have on it more empathetic, more healthy. But it's really hard to measure things like that, human things, right? Mm. Like empathy and feelings, like those things are hard to measure. And in Silicon Valley, the way that success, you know, you can see if you're having results is by having metrics around it. But do you think part of the problem is it's hard to put metrics around creativity or is that just wrong? There are ways of measuring the effects that creativity can have on productivity, on
0: health, on all kinds of things. It takes such a long time to show the evidence, and that's the problem that many of us are having. Mm. So, you know, how do you measure inspiration? How do you measure inspiration? How do you track it? You know, it's almost impossible because you can't see it, but you can feel it, you can you know it's there. And I think by not being able to produce those raw stats instantly, that's the challenge. I've been told this blatantly in my face, Andrea, look, I'm really sorry, but we want to see more than case studies in, in order to mm. support this cause. And I think that's the sad point about it, really. I mean, if a child gets the arts and is really inspired by creativity at a very young age, at what moment can you say, that's because I've had the impact in there? I, you know, at what point does that happen? I think that's been one of the the challenges that many of the arts organisations have been trying to prove. We're dealing with human emotions, human feelings, human traits, human skills, that horrible word, soft skills. And these are important things which, you know, are there and here to stay. I'm
1: guessing that there are adults listening to this conversation and thinking like, well, I'd love to spend an hour in a classroom with just art to do, but I can't. I'm so busy. I don't have time to sit and sketch or work on a project no. uninterrupted. <laughs> how, how can people get more
0: creativity into their lives? Oh God, I mean, it's how you sharpen your sword. It's how you become refreshed or experience mindfulness or however it is that you get your your cuisine, your, your whatever you want to call it <laughs> back in your life. And sometimes that's just a case of sitting there doodling, sitting there drawing, creating, being in a creative environment. And that replenishes you. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing so, for me, there's nothing so powerful and beautiful than seeing a child in their zone doing a piece of artwork. It's just stunning to watch. It's stunning to see where their hand is going to take them, what they're going to create next. And that for me is my absolute honor and joy as being a teacher. And sometimes we are in a very heavily techie world, but Going back to mastering a, a technique or learning something or being, creating something, that has got powerful elements, which every human being needs as well.
1: Andrea, thank you so much. I know how busy you are. What time is it? Oh my God. Your kid, did you put your kids to bed yet?
0: They're somewhere in the house. <laughs> I've got to pack. I've got an early flight tomorrow and I've not a packing, So I'm going to pack. <laughs> All right. But um, but who cares? But um, yeah, but well, it's been a pleasure, as always. It's always been a pleasure to speak to you.
1: Isn't she refreshing? I love her. And in a world obsessed with optimization and data and metrics, I think it's really important to hear from people like Andrea. Oh, and here's a bit more of that report that I mentioned at the top of the show. It comes from PricewaterhouseCoopers. But it's actually kind of poetic. I want to read you a little bit of it. It says... CEOs see the value in marrying technology with exclusively human capabilities. The skills they consider most important are those that can't be replicated by machines, the still uniquely human capabilities that stimulate innovation. As yet, software cannot imitate passion, character, or the collaborative spirit. And as Dove Seidman, one of the CEOs we interviewed, said, it seems it's now the human heart rather than our ability to think that sets us apart. I love that. And as you get back to work or school, remember, sure, scores and reports matter, but so do the more messy skills, like staying creative. So give yourself a little time to do it. Okay. Okay. You may have noticed we took a little pause in the podcast action for a few weeks. Well, now we're back with all new episodes of Note to Self coming at you every Monday here on Luminary. We've been working on lots of excellent shows, getting them ready for you. And on the next episode, for example, you are gonna get an explainer of an intriguing concept, digital minimalism. You've heard of minimalism. Well, yeah, there's digital minimalism. It's kind of interesting. Meanwhile, if you can't get enough, go and check out the other podcasts that we make here at Stable Genius Productions. Zigzag is about building businesses and doing work that aligns with how we want to live our lives. Because, yeah, sure, we'd all like to make millions of dollars, but we'd also like to see our kids and maybe help save the planet, right? Okay, check out Zigzag. Time to sign off. Note to Self comes to you from Stable Genius Productions in partnership with WNYC Studios and Luminary Media. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Marcy Thompson, Matt Boynton, David Herman, Anya Jezik, and Maria Wartell. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and thank you so much for listening. Yes, we want to succeed, but we also want to work toward the collective good, whether it comes to... I have no more left. Just use the version before. Okay, bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. It's Manoush again. For all new episodes of Note to Self, we hope you'll go to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary podcast app.